Are you looking to level up your author business? Are you pounding your head against a wall, wondering what your next step should be? Then join me, Daniel Wilcox. And me, Sasha Black, as we haul ass each week in a bid to level up. Level up. Come along for the ride as we delve deep into the business of writing, craft, entrepreneurship, and every level of the author journey. This is the Next Level Author Podcast. Hello, Achievers, and welcome to episode 104 of the Next Level Authors Podcast, a podcast where we hold each other to account and track our step-by-step progress as we level up our author business. My name is Daniel Wilcox, and here with me every single week is... The perpetually exhausted Sasha Black. Tell us more. How was your week, Sasha? Exhausting. Uh, Atlas got COVID again. I don't remember if that had happened. Had that happened? I don't think you had. I think that wasn't that Friday. Okay. Or was that later on on Thursday? I don't don't have any concept of anything today, so I don't know. (laughs) But Atlas got COVID. So he had Friday off. He had Monday off. He went back to school on Tuesday because he was testing negative again by Sunday. Um, Machine. So, but he had to have five days off. So um, he went to school on Tuesday and then what day is it today? Thursday. So then yeah. yesterday at 11 o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call to say that uh I had to go and pick him up because he was basically like crying and tantruming and all the rest of it. Um, And then he proceeded to scream, grunt and punch pillows for like three and a half hours, three hours yesterday. And I just, I am catatonically tired today (laughs) because he also got up at 5.30 this morning. So, yeah. It's the mental exhaustion, isn't it? Of like, well, an emotional exhaustion. Like there's a few, few different factors there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that has been the majority of my week once again. uh, Like, so since we last spoke, I have had one working day. And that working day was spent on stuff for other people, freelance stuff. Moral of the story. Don't don't have have kids, kids, folks. Yeah, don't do it. (laughs) Don't have kids. Especially kids that are apparently a magnet for (laughs) COVID-19. Yeah. Seriously, I still haven't got it, by the way. Can we just like I am like the sole fucking dystopian survivor. I am a young adult dystopian heroine, people, because I still haven't had it. <laughs> all off the fucking wood. Yeah. And I'm assuming Chloe was all right as well this time. Yeah, around. Chloe didn't get it this time. But then yeah. she has had it and obviously she's double vaxxed. So Shield. I yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, people don't. It is, I think, more unusual for people to have. But then, obviously, like Atlas isn't vaxxed because they don't vax kids here. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know yeah, anyway. I know. It, it seems to be going through another spike. Although I don't, I don't think that they're not really tracking it anymore. So I have no idea what the no. figures are. But um, which I think is probably in the best interest of the public at this point, in my opinion. Yeah. But like, yeah, my um, a few people that I know have tested positive over the last week or so and it's just that thing of like there's that lull in which so much other stuff is going on that you almost forget that this is still out there and then obviously it comes back in in a big way sometimes but yeah that sucks I'm sorry yeah so yeah I mean yeah I did do some reorganization and stuff like in the two hours that I had yesterday to myself which was good uh but yeah is that like physical reorganizing space and tidying and stuff I tell you what I did (gasps) I wiped off the slate of the rest of my year 
Ooh. And um, I am only planned one quarter in advance. And next quarter, I am doing nothing other than words and the podcast. Mm. That is it. I'm not doing a goddamn thing. If it's not words, it's not happening. I'm I just going to say no. So um, I have to finish two books in 12 weeks. <laughs> but hey, competition, right? Like uh-huh. that's the kind of shit I need. So you got this. Yeah. I, I, I like, so yeah, I have to finish a course before, before basically London Book Fair. I've got London Book Fair. I've got a quick trip to Amsterdam, a presentation to do, to deliver. And then that's it. Words. Mm. So that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Just that fresh kind of clearing out, airing out, getting rid of all the dust. Yeah. What's next? Um, That reminds me, I really need to sit down in the next week and look at what my next quarter is. Because I do arguably think, and I'm not trying to put too much pressure on myself, um, but I do arguably think the next quarter might be the most critical of my career. Um, Just in the sense of... No pressure then, bud. No pressure. pressure. But but it, it could be like the biggest note. Like, you know, I... I know who I am and how I pace and how I work. So it's that thing of like, I know what it is I want to achieve. I just have to figure out the best way that I can get there. Um, and it's been, so, so for me, it's been, it's been a good week. It's been um, filled with quite a few potential surprise opportunities. And I think it's that thing of like, so I, I think I mentioned last week, I've officially informed my clients that I'm not going to be ghostwriting with them anymore. And in doing that, the amount of, um just weight that is lifted off my shoulders i've still got the work to do to make sure that i can um afford not to but at the same time because i've been stuck in that quagmire of like i don't know when it's going to end for so long i just feel this sort of like release of creative energy Mm. so it's not to the point that like i'm doing what i've done in the past which is just taking on everything left right and center to just because i get excited and that's what i do but i am trying to be very very specific and i know what my plan is to go ahead and i know the different things i'm going to try but just a couple of conversations this week with um a good friend of mine and we've got the potential of looking at a couple of courses um in the next few months that might pop up that has the potential to be quite um lucrative and like sector leading depending on what we do with it you're gonna create courses potentially it's it's on the cards um it's something that sort of i'm working with someone to look at um and i can't really say much more than that at this point and then i had sort of um <laughs> a surprise talk with again i'm being very cagey around this like I, i'm going back to that um, episode 100 clip of like we're going to be totally transparent and it's just like all the stuff that we can't say but um there is the most i can say there is a potential opportunity with a quite revered screenwriter to do some sort of collaborations in terms of like activated authors and other stuff and so it's that thing of like, because weirdly as well, it's timed out that I've been on um, interviewed on a few podcasts this week and people have asked me about collaborations and stuff. Cause obviously like the book that I wrote um, and it's that thing of, I keep coming back to of like, I need to obviously make sure it works for both sides. It's that thing of like the opportunities are really exciting and it could be a thing that you jump into and it could be amazing, but I'm making sure that I do the groundwork first to ensure that number one, it's worth my energy. Number two, it moves in the direction that I do want to move in. And number three, it's also beneficial for the other person. Mm. So it's, you know, it's a lot of um, thinking going on while I'm also trying to continue working through the ghost and I currently have, and also look at the next steps forward. It's quite a lot, but at the same time, like I say, that that unleashing of um, energy from knowing where the end point is in the ghost writing is kind of, it's it's been such a mental, um, it's just brought a lot of mental clarity, which is quite nice. So yeah that's been the majority of my week i think 
Um, what's something you've enjoyed this week? Three things. <clears throat> Ooh. Uh, one, I have started world building for um, the next book after scent that I'm going to write. And uh, I drew a map and I've been inputting ah. some interesting historical events that are inspiring the story. And it, it, I always forget, why do we have to relearn the same shit? Um, <laughs> it's so annoying. Uh-huh. Um, but I forgot how much having a world and knowing, like drawing a map forces you to think about how the world works and therefore like it just like in drawing the map I came up with some really really cool plot ideas so um yeah I I did that um I have gone back to my old trusty clever fox planner (gasps) quarterly planner the quarterly planner which which would indicate that shit is about to get done uh, because whenever I had a clever Fox planner, shit always got done. So, um, and, and the only reason I stopped, I think was, I think it was pandemic related. Um, and I feel like that is, well, I think I'm forcing it to be done. I'm done with it. So it's done now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing was a conversation that I had, um, with Claire, um, and, she basically gave me a bit of a kick up the ass, and uh, uh, she said to me that, um, how do I phrase this? So, like, basically, in my ideal world, I will Phoenix burn, right? And I will clear whole days, and I will get whole days to write words, because that's how I like to, I like to sink into it, because, like, the first hour is usually me, like, trying to get my brain into focus and then the second hour is always like extreme product productivity for me mm-hmm. and then like I wobble a bit and then I have another good like 45 minutes and then like I sort of lose lo- until I break I then lose unless I have a break I then I can pick it back up again but anyway and she was basically saying that I don't have an ideal world right now so either I can wait until like this new chunk of time uh, that I have cleared or I can just try and get an hour here and there and she was like and I was like no I don't wanna and um and I was like I didn't quit my job for this and she was like no but it did work before and I was like ah uh. and she just like the way she said things like I was just like for fuck's sake like yeah I used to have a full-time job a toddler and I managed to write and publish as many books as I do now so I was like you know what like I think I definitely used to write more exhausted than I am now and so I wrote in the sprints last night after what had been horrific day and I still managed to get about 700 words so I was like you know maybe I just need to write exhausted like maybe that is my mo like maybe I just need to spend more time writing when I'm absolutely bollocks instead of waiting for those days when I'm not tired like maybe that is a a fallacy or whatever anyway so um yeah I liked being reminded that uh I can still I can write in unideal circumstances situations um and I sort of feel like she lit the competition a bit just to be like because like one part of my brain was like well you like you can't win your day unless you get to write all day and now I'm like well I'm gonna fucking prove you wrong aren't I bitch 
to myself obviously not to Claire that's like me that's me arguing with my own brain right here yeah. um and uh yeah and and within that conversation I have decided what my next non-fiction book is going to be and I'm not telling anyone <laughs> well Claire knows by default but um yeah like I'm very excited about the next non-fiction book um obviously I'm writing one now I don't know if I've said what I'm writing on this one have I said what I'm writing uh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so I'm writing a book called The Anatomy of Writing, X Steps to uh, Read Like a Writer and Teach Yourself Craft. So, like, there is a there is a bit of a gap in the market where there are a few very academic texts that talk about re- how to read like a writer, and it's the stuff that you don't do, like you you absorb naturally, but I don't, uh, and so it's basically showing writers how to deconstruct what other authors are doing so how to read a book like let's say you've read a book and you you, you, not that you want to emulate necessarily but you really admire their voice Mm -hmm. well I can show people how to find out how they've done how they've created that voice so I'm like basically deconstructing showing people how to deconstruct like what other or the tools and literary devices and things that other writers uh, are using so that they can use those tools themselves well that Um, is that is huge but that's this one, not the next one. Yeah, because there's also um, a question that I get a lot from people is, you know, how do you, because it's overwhelming the amount of stuff you have to learn when you do start. Mm. And so it's like when you self-edit your work or when you start writing, what are the things that you should be paying attention to? And I think, you know, it's not that I don't I don't need something like that because I, I go through the same process as everyone else or I did go through the same process as everyone else and still do with um, how I analyze and deconstruct text. I just do it in my head as opposed to needing that sort of physical um writing down analysis like there's definitely still an element of me where as I'm reading I'm going like oh how how was this effect achieved and then I do internalize that based off of what I was saying so I think it's still and the interesting thing is I probably do that now because I know how to deconstruct now whoops whereas I didn't when I first started so yeah I do think a lot of us over time internalize things it's just natural it's just part of territory isn't it and that's kind of um why I say to people like it's experience at the end of the day like it looks easier once you've because you, you start, like, I remember very, very early on starting on with things like, how long is a sentence? How long is a paragraph? Like, where the hell does a paragraph break? Like, what is the right way to do that? And then, like, you know, even just looking at particular use of commas, which is just, a, it's a hard game to play, because if you're reading an English book, the commas will be different to if you read a US English book. Um, but yeah, all these different steps. And then it's just taking one at a time. And just each time you write something new, trying to incorporate something different. Yeah, but that does sound, that does sound really, really valuable. Like, like you say, a lot of this kind of stuff is hidden in academia and it would be nice to see that more relatable to the layman. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited about this book. I'm excited about the next book. Um, Cause there is a real hole. Oh, Sasha's going to fill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, what's something I've enjoyed this week? Um, I will say that I have rewatched um, the Michael Jordan documentary yet again. The last oh, dance. Oh, it's so good. It's 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 powerful for so many reasons. Like it's it shows you the value of team. It shows you sort of the incredible feat of mental strength and just determination that someone like Michael Jordan has. That right there is a number one competition. Yes, a hundred percent. Like nothing mattered but winning. Yeah, and just being the best at all costs. And like mm. it's it's one of those that. <laughs> do you know what's interesting and I'm not, I know that you're gonna well I, I feel like you probably laugh at this 
it's like so I watched it again and I'm number one I'm a huge basketball fan anyway and like I I grew up not quite being able to witness the Jordan era but being sort of around the Jordan era and other people because I was like the kid didn't have access to all the different TV stations where you could watch him so it was like the whispers of Jordan and then obviously like Space Jam comes out and like the Chicago Bulls and like the whole thing was kind of like my intro into basketball and just watching the plays and just watching some of the stuff that he achieved and just how good he was is just gorgeous but the thing that I take away from that most is the coach Phil Jackson and the methods that he used to coach like what was at that time it was a very sort of um just hustle culture grind of coaches like you shouted at the team to do better it was very sort of militant and military like go out there just like defeat them and Phil Jackson was the guy that taught the Chicago Bulls Zen Buddhism and would like allow each individual person to do what they need to do to then bring them together as a team and just like that kind of view and I've, I've recently downloaded um Phil Jackson's uh, that's the number one individualization exactly yeah <laughs> I've uh, I've downloaded um it's called Eleven Rings and it's it's Phil Jackson's kind of um autobiography memoir thing um because he helped the Lakers then go on to win championships as well because he was just a fucking good coach and I'm looking forward to getting my teeth sunk into that but just yeah I've just been watching that and it's been it's one of those things that kind of lights a fire up your ass and goes right what what can you really do if you try there's a documentary about coaches on Netflix and it like they look at Jose Mourinho and like a bunch of the other coaches I've watched it and. I will, if you remind me after this, I'll see if I can find the name of it. But um, it was fascinating. And like Mm. coaches for like tennis stars and like there were, it was really interesting. Like it tickled the old uh, competition. Like even you talking about um, Michael Jordan, I was like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You just, you just see it in his face. Like every, Uh, everything that he did along the way was like, we are not going down. Like I am not yeah. being anything less than what I can be. And it's... I get pennies just thinking about like shit like mm. that. Like, oh, well, I love the, it. The thing that the thing that really gets me, especially when you watch that, is obviously MJ became. He wasn't just a basketball player. He was like an, a global phenomenon. Like before social mm. media, before anything else. Like most countries, most people at least knew his name, and that kind of lifestyle. You watch everyone else on the team just kind of like walking around, and then he can't walk from a coach to the stadium without having like 30 media just pressing in on him and living that kind of lifestyle it just sounds awful but it didn't deter him from doing what he achieved and there's a there's a part especially later on in the documentary where it talks about how he was always so so present in the moment and there's a part again where he's just walking from his from the the sort of the coach into the stadium and he's got his headphones on and he's just trying to like enjoy himself and all the media are asking him questions and he's actually just turning around to the journalist going yeah no maybe whatever just can, can I can I walk please just but he's so like in the moment I think that's something that so many people strive to do just be present and enjoy what you're currently doing and he he had that on top of everything else it's yeah it's it's insane um so that was my thing that I enjoyed this week quarterly confessional Dan will dictate two novels launch a survey write three short stories and launch a new podcast I am on the cusp of finishing novel number two I don't know what's happening with the survey yet I've got seven days um i've written two short stories out of the three and i have launched the podcast so. oh well done buddy because you were away away from that last week uh-huh we'll, we'll see we'll see uh sasha will read a minimum of five sapphic books implement outsourcing and check off five things on the new business plan yeah so i've read 30 books this quarter i think uh something like that of which a lot of them or 31 30 i think i think i'm on, i think i've almost finished my 31st let me check yeah, I feel like I've you read... may have lowballed here. 
<laughs> they're not all sapphic though like okay. the point was like, how many sapphic books i wanted to read and i have read uh one two three four five six seven i think seven sapphic books out of the 30 um so i've done that i have implemented outsourcing and what was the other one five things on a new business plan yeah yeah i'm way past that now Mm-hmm. yeah okay uh pay, no, yeah any new patrons um no new patrons but if you would like to join us on patreon then you can by visiting next level authors no patreon.com forward slash next level authors um yeah we'd love to have you perfect uh notices oh no Okay, um, so I have one, which is I am very, very excited that I will be opening up um, registration for my next cohort of mastermind people. So um, I all the information will be at activatedauthors.com forward slash mastermind at the minute. Uh, you can register your interest and then I'm just getting all the um, behind the scenes bits done. And I'll have more information on that. But if you want to be the first to find out what's going on and if you want kind of a helping hand in achieving whatever your big goals are for your author career, then head on over to activatedauthors.com slash mastermind and comments no level ups okie dokie so the level up this week um rob hewitt uh reached out to the team at write better faster and now i'm just waiting for their code so i can get the strengths test done focused on inputting to i've read 15 books this quarter two-thirds of the way through my uh, the prequel novella first draft so that should change uh, so that should squeaky bum time be done yeah. by the end of march as well as the q1 challenge and rob got the clifton strengths results so he is number one intellection number two futuristic number three learner number four strategic and number five discipline so that's why i picked that one yeah. <laughs> any more for any more level ups oh sorry I've blanked and time travelled to comment. <laughs> oh, yes, I've got lots of comments for you. Comments. Okay, so let me start with Patreon first because there's just one over there. So Arabelle said, I'm a plotter, so always know what I'm writing before I draft. I can't write without one, but sometimes I'll get stuck on a scene. So I'll either take a break and watch slash read something or I'll hop over to a different whip for a bit. For general motivation, I find AuthorTube is a very helpful kick up the butt. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so Meg said you're allowed to roll your eyes at reason two. Hmm. I should know better by now. Reason one, I don't know what's happening next. I'm a planner, so if I haven't planned what's happened, what happened next, I falter. I go back a bit, plan, and off I charge again. Works without fail for me. Number two, I am in 100% denial about how much <laughs> real life should affect writing and will not accept the fact uh, that, in fact, I am not a robot but a human a complex organism where uh, homeostasis is thrown off kilter by any myriad of things I frankly wish would disappear. In this case, whatever combination of rest, inputting and reprioritizing my to-do list, uh, read, deleting lots of superfluous crap, etc. These things help get energy pennies to go again. Um, 
and there's sort of like another bit more explanation about uh, uh, life bullshit that gets in the way. And then Renee says, if I'm ever smart enough to stop an input when I'm having problems uh, writing, my life would be so much easier. But no, I berate myself, feel guilty, get snappy with people. And when I finally get just so frustrated I, that I stop and read or watch something, uh, there it goes. And I tell myself that I need to do that every time. But the next time it rolls around and guess what? And then finally, Edwin Downward said, the single best method I found of clearing my head to approach a block from uh, a new angle is to seek a change of scenery, preferably one that'll give me a chance to walk through whatever is holding me back. So much I want to say on those comments. <laughs> I am. Um, I, I, I feel you, Meg. We, we've had conversations about this. And it's that thing of like, just you want to do so much and I've, I've been preaching this a lot on different podcasts and things this week just that whole ethos of it's not just the writing it is the other stuff in your life as well and it's so annoying because writing is the central thing that I come back to that I can control and so I feel like in those moments where I can control it I should be able to control it and you don't always um, realize how much all those external factors do affect you and then Renee go easier on yourself please like because I I think we spoke about this before especially with things like burnout is like it sneaks up on you. That's that's the point. Like it slowly, incrementally happens to the point that you suddenly are in the pit of it, and then you're like, "Oh shit! How did I get here?" Like it happens with everyone, and just recognize yeah. at that moment where you are, and then turn around and, and pull yourself out. Mm. It's hard, man. Um, okay, so question of the week: Are you ready? No. Cool. So uh, I stole this one from Shane, who is one of our patrons, um, and it's something. So we've we've kind of been around this subject back in episode 49 we asked the question why non-fiction shane wants to ask what are the biggest lessons you've learned from writing non-fiction <clears throat> don't do it <laughs> um well writing non-fiction is very similar and dissimilar to writing fiction I think this is difficult because I kind of came to writing nonfiction completely accidentally. Um, <clears throat> I think I've learned that I will always be a learner and therefore I am always going to have something to say nonfiction wise. Um, I have learned how to teach effectively. Um, and I think there are a lot of authors who are incredibly good at writing fiction and have absolutely no idea how or why they are so good at it. Um, <clears throat> I have learnt, uh, I don't know, what have I learnt from writing nonfiction? You like to swear <laughs> and make dick jokes. Yeah, that's definitely, well, I think we might have known that. Um, <clears throat> I think I have learnt that I have a deep, seated passion obsession with um oh god I'm having realizations even as I say this so I think the <laughs> say it <laughs> uh I think the reason I write non-fiction is because I'm really competitive uh, so um the reason I do it is because by deconstructing what other people are doing 
and enabling me to like discover all of these tools and tricks that I then share in nonfiction books. It helps me to be the best writer that I can be. So in summary, I have once again proved that I am a number one competition. Um, <clears throat> no, I, like I really enjoy figuring out how things work and why things work in literature. And um, I have enjoyed the fact that that helps me write better fiction. Um, so I definitely have learned that, that I think the reason behind it is because it helps me be better. Um, <clears throat> I have learned about community building. Um, mm. I well, <laughs> I have learned that I have an affinity for building a community. I just seem to do it without meaning to. Um, I have learned that um, I have learned business. I think more than the fiction the non-fiction has taught me about business yeah um because there is there are so many more opportunities not no no not more there are so many maybe more there are so many ways to make money with non-fiction um and some of that is about learning what you enjoy doing and learning um oh i've just had another realization Nice question, Shane. For fuck's <laughs> sake. I don't, I don't want to talk about this, that realisation, though. Um, I'm making a note for that off air. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, I just, I don't, this is a really hard question to answer. Like, what have I learned about, what was the question? What was the exact wording of the question? What are the biggest lessons you've learned from writing nonfiction? I really like business. That is one thing that I have learned. I, I wrote nonfiction by accident. Um, but in writing nonfiction, I have realized that there is a whole business that I have have created, can create and can continue to iterate. And I really enjoy the business side of the nonfiction more than I enjoy the business side of the fiction, which I find it interesting. And I don't know why. I have um, opinions, but I'll get to that in my bit. Yeah. So I really I really like business. And I think that um, I have learned that I really like writing nonfiction and I will write nonfiction that isn't even about writing at some mm -hmm. point like I have a few books that are in my mind that I need to brew for a few more years but I will definitely veer out of writing about writing but continue to write nonfiction. um I think that I have learned that there are pieces of me that can't be expressed in fiction that have to be expressed in nonfiction, which mm. I enjoy. Um, I have learned more about how to create a sustainable business from nonfiction than I have from fiction because there are more moving parts. So like, I feel more like an entrepreneur because of the nonfiction than I do because of the fiction. Yep. So like, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Like maybe other people don't feel like that, but for me, the nonfiction has taught me like business. It's taught me like, I feel like I could go into an arena, like let's say like women's like business network in the East of England or whatever. I could go to that because of my nonfiction. I don't feel like I could go to that because of my fiction. Yeah. So it enables me to have a different headspace. Um, I feel, yeah, I don't know. What else have I learned? It's really hard. I might have to come back once you've answered. Cause yeah. Maybe I need some intellecting time. Yeah. Um, so I, I jotted because obviously I, I was just as prepared as you were for the question. Um, <laughs> I jotted down a couple of things. So one thing that I've seen a lot of people do is put out one nonfiction and then just leave it and then move on to other things. 
And what I've learned from my own experience is you can't really half-ass nonfiction. I'm not saying that people who put out one book are half-assing it, but I mean more in the sense of like, in order to keep that book moving, in order to keep the the messaging and the ideas behind it alive, you have to constantly be working on it, even if it's not directly writing on that book. So, you know, with you and the Rebel Author Group, with me and the Activated Authors Group, and like the kind of stuff that we speak about, it all ends up coming back to our books. Um, so if you've got an idea for a nonfiction book, it's not something that I feel you can take lightly. And if anything, like I still curse the day that you push me towards nonfiction because I'm now managing two businesses as opposed to one. And there definitely is a added weight that comes with that. And it's not something that I change, but it's definitely um, added to the workload of what I do because fiction readers aren't always, well, 90% of the time, they're not going to be your nonfiction readers. So you are managing two different businesses people who want to learn something from you versus people who want just to be entertained. Um, and on that, I think there's, there's almost like a baked in evergreen marketing channel for your nonfiction, because you're, you're solving a particular need. You're answering a particular question. So if somebody says, um, and you know, let's get weird and niche and I don't know if this exists, but like I'm a writer and I want to also get fit while I write. Like if you look for that question, you will find someone who's written that specific thing. There's there's that kind of like drawn in already. There's that, there's that channel of advertising that's kind of built in. Whereas in fiction, if somebody writes, I want to read about dragons, there will be thousands and thousands of people to compete with. And it all depends on where people sit in the charts and all that kind of stuff. So I think there is an element of it being um, easy is not the, the, the right word, but I think a little bit simpler in that regard. Um, something that, people have asked me on a few occasions who have ideas on, on writing nonfiction and, and how to go about it. There's a lot of imposter syndrome around nonfiction and the way that I kind of view anything that I write at this point is like, yes, maybe people have spoken on this subject before, but nobody has written it in the way that I will, because I have my voice and my experience and my way of saying what it is. So when I wrote collaboration for authors, you know, Craig Martell, Jay Thorne, Joanna Penn, they've all done things on, on collaboration but my experience has been vastly different to those because I am who I am and the way that I've written it. I've checked through the books to make sure that, you know, there wasn't, they weren't too similar and I had my own ideas, but you know, it's, it's the way that I write it and it's, it's my journey. So that will speak to someone in a way that the other books won't. And similar with self-publishing blueprint, there's you know a bunch of people out there who've written books on how to self-publish. I've written it in my way with my voice, with the steps that I take and it's different. And even if, my audience is smaller than some of the other books. My hope is that it will resonate with the people who are more like me um, and just find, because I've read books on similar subjects that are, they vary in how easily I can digest them. Like it really does depend on voice. It really does depend on how things are structured, how things are communicated and analogies, things that you know relate to where you are in your journey. And so if you are thinking of writing a nonfiction, just really, really consider, you know, who it is you're trying to reach. Um, and with that, I'll come back to a quote that I'm sure that I've, I've said on this podcast a few times um, that I heard on, there's a guy called Rory Vader, who's um, like a marketing guy, but he said, you are always most powerfully positioned to help the person you once were. Yeah. So whenever I write a nonfiction, it's for 2015, Dan, when I started, when I knew nothing. And that is the person I'm trying to hit because there are more me's out there. Yeah. So I want to talk more about the thing well, kind of, I think this is what you were saying, but like, and I completely agree with this, was sort of the second point around um, voice, but like, I definitely think with nonfiction, you have, if, 
even if your voice is more neutral, let's say, than mine, um, that's okay if you have an angle, right? So like the whole point of nonfiction is that you have, there has to be a reason that you're saying what you're saying. And so there has to be a new spin on productivity or there has to be a new spin on craft. Like you can be saying the same stuff if you have a different way of explaining or like a different point that you're making. Like what is the point of your book? Like what is the angle, the hook? Just like you need a hook in fiction, you need you need to be saying something, not just regurgitating standard facts in uh, in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. And 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 if and so that's the the other side of that is if you are just kind of pulling together information that's kind of already out there and you don't have a new way of looking at it, then you better make damn sure that your voice is really voicey. Yeah. Um, you know, that's sort of the two options with that. And the second thing that I wanted to say is that there are a lot of low content nonfiction books out there and it drives me fucking insane. There are so many low quality nonfiction books and it's really disappointing. And one way to succeed in nonfiction is just not to do that, right? Put in what do I mean by low content? I mean books that are fluffy. So like they're very high level, don't go into much detail. Or when they go into detail, they don't provide examples, right? You have to provide examples. You have to provide tangible, here are some steps that you can take. Like these are the things that people go to nonfiction for. And the number of books that don't deliver that is unreal. Um, yeah, really, really shocking the number of five minute just reads. Don't... Just flip yeah. through them. I've I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's um so know what you're doing. Um and then like like fiction, try to stay in your genre, try to stay in your niche until you have a set number of books, right? Yeah. Because the reason that I have a nonfiction business is because I have stuck with craft and mm-hmm. I did it and I very nearly veered into business. I was this close to veering into business. I even I even have drafts of of like chunks of books and I didn't do it. And I'm so glad I didn't do it because I am now known for craft and I'm really passionate about craft and I have not finished. I still have things to say, but I have lots of things. to. I think I've got three or four more books off the top of my head that I still want to write. Before, yeah. And that's just now like, and I, you know, like I, I'll write those books and more will come to me, but like it is the easier it is. Yeah. And so I would say either choose craft or choose business. Like don't, don't flip flop between the two because they are different audiences. Mm-hmm. Um and think about the evergreen nature of your books as well so like with nonfiction, if you are more on the business side those books are needed because we are all here trying to build businesses but understand that the chances are you will have to update your books more often than somebody like me who is writing about craft although I do feel like I need to update the villains book but that's a whole other story yeah um yeah so just consider whether or not you're doing craft or business and then consider yeah, I don't know. Like maybe if you are going into nonfiction intentionally, think about where you want that nonfiction business to be in five years time, because mm-hmm. it will take up a lot of time and that is time you won't be spending writing fiction. Yeah. So, yeah. And I um, I think it was in um, one of our expert panels a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
with the activated authors group, but someone asked about sort of nonfiction and whatnot. And one thing that I said in there is find what it is that's easy for you, because almost guaranteed that thing that's easy for you is hard for someone else. So I always ask three questions. What to people who tell me they want to write nonfiction, what are you really good at? Mm-hmm. What really annoys you? Or what do you want to learn? Yeah. And you can usually find the answer to the book that you want to write in one of those three questions. For me, mm-hmm. it's usually question three. What do I want to learn? Yeah. Um, and that is usually how I tell which book to write next. Um, yeah. yeah. Or, like say, or what do I want to consolidate? Like, But that comes in the learning question. Yeah. And like you say, they're different sort of niches within the grander scope of things. Because, I mean, collaboration for authors doesn't sell great quantities, but every now and then it trickles in because some people, like not collaboration is quite a niche thing within writing self-publishing blueprint is much more universal in terms of people who want to publish who are indies or self-published or wants to go down that route um what i found really interesting is that obviously because of my journey over the years i've gained some kind of reputation for productivity so the amount of like um just verbal support for a book that i haven't yet written at, at this point is huge and like which is bizarre because that puts like a weird amount of pressure on it but at the same time as people on this podcast know like that book has gone through so many iterations in my head and I'm finally at the point where I have the angle that I want to do because I didn't just want to regurgitate everything that everyone else has done and I know what my spin is um I just got to write it down yeah yeah I'm working on it yeah I'm at the point where I need to well I I would like to launch the survey so I can actually get like feedback from the community I just because of dropping off the ghostwriting and other things I have to just switch priorities for a couple of weeks and then I can get back to it um but it is like it, it feels different and it feels weird but it's like i'm still aiming it at creatives and writers like it's a productivity book that is universal but at the same time i'm still aiming it at the writing community specifically so because that's that's my journey that's my voice um and the one extra thing that i'll add to this as well that i've got in here that i think you kind of touched upon is um you know what is what is the big idea what is the the gel that that fixes everything together like you say with non-fiction there's much more of a, a business framework so you can have a book from that if you want you can teach you can coach you can run sessions you can you know all these different things um and one massive lesson i learned from the great writer share podcast was that i launched that podcast for the intention of me basically serving my own need of wanting to talk to other authors and then when i tried to build a community around it there wasn't like i, I managed a small community but there wasn't the excitement that there is with activated authors because there wasn't that cohesion in what i was doing and because all of my focus was on fiction at the time it felt very disconnected with what i was doing Whereas since then in rebranding, in embracing sort of the, the coaching side of stuff and launching the Activated Authors podcast, there's been a real switch in my nonfiction business in which all the I can see where all the individual components link together in a way that they just didn't when I was doing great writer share because that central idea that we've spoken about on like an episode way back about brand and stuff, um, that just wasn't in place because I wasn't looking for it. But now building um, just an infrastructural kind of like cohesion of everything it's just one thing magnifies the other it springs off it links back to the other and that's that's where the real power comes in because that can scale mm. so yeah what are the biggest lessons you've learned from writing nonfiction? hopefully that was helpful shane um and we'll wrap up for this week next week we will be calling each other out on our quarterly challenge and looking at setting our goals for the next one oh, join shit. us for that um one extra thing just because it's flashed up in my vision from a previous note fuck you for telling people that i'm a pisces because that's all i'm getting at the minute <laughs> Like a year and a half later, just like I thought you were an Aries. Like, we ah! piss off. <laughs> Thank oh, you for that. Darling, you will always be my Pisces. 
can't even remember what episode that was on, but it was like, I was around your house. It wasn't long after you'd moved. Yeah, we didn't have this in yet. No, no. So thank you. You are most welcome. But yes, from myself and from Sasha, we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hungry for more? If you enjoyed this podcast, you can hear more of my angelic accent and Dan's dulcet tones on our other podcasts. For more of me, check out the Activated Authors podcast. For more of me, listen to the Rebel Author podcast. We'll be back next week holding each other to account as Dan and Sasha become next level authors. Mate, do you know what I did? I stared (laughs) at the screen like this. Yeah. Bloody Zombo. Look at you, your little Zombo. You're staring at the screen. Oh, my God. It's been such a tough week for Sasha. Oh, I wish I could go over there and give you a hug. Like the biggest hug possible because I'm like six one and you're like four foot two. Like you'll drown in my hug. It'd be amazing. It'd be fucking amazing. Look at you. I think I need to make another coffee before I can't handle. I just need. I just need to like give you some affection. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. My favourite, my favourite Australian phrase. Coffee to go with you. <laughs> 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 uh.